All right. Good morning, everybody. Everybody happy? Well, you're about to get happier. Brother Jesse's in the house. (laughs) Praise God. We have had a wonderful minister's conference this weekend. And uh, Brother Jesse and Kathy were able to stay over to be in the service this morning. Had to fly out right after this service and be in another city. Uh, Jesse and I live the same kind of lifestyle, just just here for a few minutes and gone the next. But we love what we do, praise God. Amen. So uh, we're going to do a little tag team preaching this morning. And uh, normally when we do this, uh, we don't say anything about what we're going to preach about. But during the minister's conference, uh, I said something and I said, that's what we're going to talk about Sunday, Jesse, getting in the blessing zone. I'm in a zone. Anybody else in a zone? Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me, let me explain that for those of you that may not understand what we're talking about. I, I, I looked up what it's, some definitions of what it means to be in a zone. And one of them that I really enjoyed, a level of success that seems to defy rational explanation. I like that. Let me read it again. A level of success that seems to defy rational explanation. Amen. You can get in a blessing zone. Now, I talked about here a few weeks ago about getting in a flow, the flow. That's another term for zone. And the way that I've pictured it many times, uh, athletes get in a zone. Most of you know that Metalark Lemon was a dear friend of mine. I, I had the privilege of mentoring him uh, when he surrendered his life to the Lord. And uh, Metalark actually lived with us uh, for a year or so. And he traveled with me all over the country. And I mentored him, and he eventually became a full-time preacher. Now, those of you that don't know who I'm talking about, Metalark Lemon was one of the most famous Harlem Globetrotters. And... Uh, as a young boy, I used to watch Metal Ark on TV uh, when the series Wide World of Sports first came on television. And they would have the Globetrotters play from time to time. And the first time I saw that, I just fell in love with the guy. I mean, he just brought a lot of joy. He was known as the clown prince of basketball. And uh, he was a funny guy. He, he was a magnificent basketball player. In fact, the Globetrotters were doing back then what the NBA hadn't even started doing yet. And uh, uh, so I just enjoyed every time I had the opportunity to watch Metal Art. And one time uh, when I had my automotive business, I was repairing a man's wrecked car and I got finished with it. And he came to pick it up, but he didn't have the money to pay me. He said, uh, Jerry, I'm an honest man, and I'm good for it, but I just don't have the money. He said, uh, but I need my car. I said, well, sir, I don't don't like doing business like that. I mean, I need my money. You know, I've got a lot invested in parts and paint and labor and everything. He said, well, just to show you, you know, that uh, I'm an honorable man, 
I have two tickets on the front row to the Harlem Globetrotters. Would you receive those as like a down payment? I said, give me them tickets. <laughs> and I said, take your car. I'm going to the Globetrotter game tonight. And uh, so when I got home, Carolyn was expecting, so she couldn't go with me. And uh, my dad was out of town. He couldn't go with me. Uh, I don't know where my sister was, but the only one left was my mother. I said, Mom, you want to go to the Globetrotter game with me? I got two tickets. She said, yeah, I'll go with you. So we're on the front row there in the, uh, the auditorium there in Shreveport. The Globetrotters came out, and they always had these skits, and one of them was a bucket that you assume was full of water, and they'd run across the crowd, and you're thinking it's full of water. And they threw it, and it's full of confetti, and they threw it on my mama. <laughs> so mama got to be part of the act in the Globetrotters, okay? So... I didn't meet uh, Metalark at that time, but uh, I sure enjoyed that. And every time they were on TV, I, I was hoping I'd be home to watch it. Well, years later, many, many years later, and I'm in the ministry and traveling all over the country. And we had set up a meeting in Columbia, South Carolina. And we had rented the convention center for my meeting. And when we got to town, the convention center was connected to the hotel that we're, we're going to stay in. I believe it was the Hilton Hotel. And there was a marquee out front of the arena. And it said in big letters, Globetrotters tonight. Then underneath, Jerry Savelle Evangelistic Association in the uh, convention center. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, man, the Globetrotters are playing in town tonight. Right here in the same building, you know, same facility that we're in. I thought, man, I think I'll send a tape over to my service and I'm going to see the Globetrotters. But I couldn't do that, you know. So uh, anyway, they were just going to be there one night. And my meeting was going to go for three nights. So the next morning after that opening night, I went into the uh, dining room in the hotel to have some breakfast. So I walked in and, and there was a line of people waiting for a table. And I walked in, and I, I stood behind this tall uh, black gentleman, and I, he had his back to me. I didn't recognize who it was at first because he had his back to me. And then all of a sudden, I heard over to the right someone say, Metalark. I thought, Metalark? There's only one Metalark. Who else is named Metalark? It's got to be Metalark Lemon. And about that time, the man standing in front of me turned to look over to who shouted at him, and I turned at the same time, and it was Curly Neal, who was another very famous globetrotter. And then Metalark did, did this all in one motion. He waved at Curly and looked down at me. <clears throat> and I reached up to shake hands with him. And I, I shook hands with him. And I said, Metalark Lemon, I know you meet a lot of people all over the world. I said, and you may not ever remember me, but I just want you to know I'm a minister and we could use a man like you in the kingdom of God. I said, I just want you to know, there's a preacher in Texas that's going to be praying for you until you surrender your life to the Lord. We need people like you in the kingdom of God. And he tried to get his hand out of my hand. I wouldn't let it go. I said, now, you may not remember me, but don't ever forget, you're being lifted up in prayer every day. Now, I let go of his hand. He went over and sat down next to 
Curly, and he pointed over to me. So I knew he was telling Curly what I said, okay? And then uh, about a year later, I'm out in Oxnard, California, rented the convention center out there. And uh, uh, a friend of mine, a little born-again Jewish lady, her name was Heidi, and she made costumes for Hollywood and uh, uh, for, for movies and a lot of different things. Well, she was always bringing somebody to my meetings, and, and she would never tell me. She'd call me, I'm bringing someone to the meeting tonight. I say, who is it? She said, it's a surprise. So I would never know who she was bringing. Now, one night in Riverside, California, she brought the Chippendale male strippers. <laughs> I said, what kind of costume did you make for them? <laughs> they had hired her to make their newest costume. And I said, well, what was it? She said, briefs, little bikini underwear, you know. They'd strip down into these bikinis and do their show. And she said, but they didn't know it. But I, I had, I took prayer calls to my church and had the whole church praying and I sewed them in their bikinis. <laughs> and she said, and I prayed that while they were dancing and doing their thing, suddenly they just sensed the presence of God. And she said, here they are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> She led a bunch of them to the Lord and she brought them to my meeting. The next time I was in a, uh, another meeting out in California, Heidi called me and she said, I got a surprise for you. I said, who is it this time, Heidi? She said, I'm not telling you, it'll be a surprise. So I got there that night and the whole front row was completely full of the Federation of Bodybuilders. There was 9,000 pounds of muscle on the front row. Uh, and they were competing in Mr. Olympia, uh, Mr. Universe, and, and, and all of that. And I'm shaking hands with all these guys. And I felt like a runt. <laughs> you know, they, they just reach up. They had on T-shirts, muscle shirts. They're just ripping with muscles. And I'd shake hands. And I could almost hear the threads in their shirts. Back off. Back off. You're, you're about to rip us here, you know. And then this little runt is shaking hands with them, you know. And, and she led them to the Lord. And... Uh, so I never knew who Heidi was going to bring to my meetings. So one night uh, in Oxnard, she said, I got, I got a surprise for you. And I asked who it was. No, uh, it's a surprise. She said, uh, can we come to the speaker's room before you go out so I can introduce you to him? I said, sure. So she comes in the speaker's room, and she brings Metalark Lemon. Metalark had just uh, retired from... Uh, from playing with the Globetrotters and started his own team called the Bucketeers. And he had Heidi make their uniforms. And Heidi told him when she agreed to make them and they agreed on the price and everything, she handed him one of my books. She said, now, Metalark, read this book. And when you come back to get your uniforms, I will quiz you to make sure you read the book. And if you can't answer the questions, you're not going to get your uniforms until you can answer the questions. So he, he come back when she said they're, they're all ready, and she started quizzing him. And she led him to the Lord. 
And then he said, who is this guy that wrote this book? She said, well, actually, he's in Oxnard tonight. Would you like to go with me? I'm going. He said, yes, I'd like to meet him. So she brings Metal Ark Lemon into the speaker's room. And uh, she introduced us. And I said, Metal Ark, this is not the first time we've met. He said, oh, really? I said, well, I know you travel all over the country and meet a lot of people. But you and I met in Columbia, South Carolina, in the restaurant in the Hilton Hotel. That morning, I shook hands with you. And before I could finish my statement, he said, you're the one. You're the one. You're the one that told me that you'd be praying for me. He said, I never forgot that. And I didn't know it was you that I'd already met that wrote this book. He said, I believe I'm called to preach. Can you help me? I said, yes, sir, I can. He said, uh, uh, how, how can we go about it? I said, well, you live out in Los Angeles. I'm in Fort Worth. I'll move to Fort Worth. So he came and moved and lived with us and traveled with me and became... In fact, he called me dad. In fact, when when uh, sometimes when I'd come into a room where he was, he'd turn and say, dad. And people would turn around and look and say, dad. <laughs> he said, that's my dad. But one, one guy said, I can't see a little resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> so man, like I, and I had... I mean, we had fun everywhere we went. Now, the young people didn't know who he was. But anybody 40 and up knew who Metalark Lemon was. He was very recognizable. And they remembered him as one of the most famous globetrotters. And we would travel. And, and one time we were, we were on an American airline flight going to Miami, Florida. And the flight attendant come by and she said, I know who you are. And as soon as I get through serving all these people, I want to come back and get your autograph. He said, okay. So she came back in a little while, gave him an American Airline napkin, and he wrote on there, God bless you, Metalark Lemon. She looked at that and said, Metalark Lemon, who's that? <laughs> she was so young, she, didn't, she thought she knew who he was. He said, that's me. She said, I thought you was Richard Pryor. <laughs> he said, Richard Pryor, he's ugly. <laughs> That's what he told her. <laughs> and then when we landed in Miami, uh, I was going to get a rental car. <laughs> and uh, so we went up to the desk, to Hertz rental car. And I said, I have a reservation. And I handed my reservation to him. And the guy looked up and he saw Metalark. He said, Metalark Lemon. I can't believe it. Metalark Lemon is standing right in front of me. And there's a guy in, the, in another office, heard him. He come running out there and he said, Metalark Lemon, I can't believe it. I've wanted to meet you all my life. And here you are standing right in front of me. And I said, and I'm Curly Neal. <laughs> he said, Curly Neal, oh my Lord, Metalark Lemon and Curly Neal. And then he said, you're shorter than I thought you were. I said, I get that everywhere I go. He didn't bother saying I was the wrong color. He just thought I was shorter than he thought. <laughs> so we had fun everywhere we went. And everywhere we went, Metal Art was always wanting to find a gym somewhere and shoot baskets. And so we were out in Anaheim. And uh, he said, let's get up. And if we weren't in a gym, we'd, we'd go jogging or walking every morning. And so uh, he said, 
I, I, I found out there's a gym real close to where we're staying. Let's go to that gym and shoot baskets. I said, I tell you what, let's go to the gym and you shoot baskets and I'll watch. <laughs> and so we're in the gym and, and he's doing all these fancy shots, you know. And there were uh, maybe seven young uh, black boys about uh, maybe 15, 16 years old. And uh, they, they don't know who he is. And he's doing all this fancy stuff. They come over to me and said, Mister, who is that man? I said, that's Metal Ark Lemon. He said, who's that? I said, well, you ever heard the Harlem Globetrotter? Yes. I said, well, that's one of the most famous Harlem Globetrotters. Really? What's his name? I said, Metal Ark Lemon. They still, they still didn't know who, the name. And I said, do you know what was his most famous shot when he was with the Globetrotters? No. I said, half-court hook shot. No way. I said, Metal Ark. These guys don't believe you can make half-court hook shots. He made 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. And then one of them said something to him when he was about to shoot the next one. That's, a, that's the only one he missed. And uh, they said, how did he learn to do half-court hook shots? I said, he got in his own. He does it all the time. Very rarely does he ever miss a half-court hook shot. And boy, he was in the zone that day, just one right after the other. If they hadn't interrupted him, I think he'd probably made 25 half-court hook shots. He was in a zone. You can get in a blessing zone where you get to another level. And when you're in a blessing zone, it seems like it's unstoppable. Unstoppable. They just keep coming. Blessing after blessing, breakthrough after breakthrough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody in a blessing zone? Well, you can get there, praise God. Amen. And I believe that's where God wants us. He doesn't want us experiencing his blessings occasionally. No, my Bible says that uh, God's interested in doing something for us on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice he didn't say, give us, Jesus didn't teach the disciples to pray. Give us this day, if it be thy will, if not, give us next month. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Talks about in the Psalms, daily benefits. Daily benefits. When you're in, when you're experiencing something daily from God, it's quite possible you have gotten in a zone. Amen. Where's Bryn? Bryn, my grandson over here. Bryn loves basketball. I wish Bryn had been old enough when Metal Ark was still around because the grandsons that were older than him that, that when Metal Ark used to stay with us, he was out there playing basketball with them all the time. Bryn loves basketball and he would have loved playing with you and, and teaching you things, you know. The blessing zone. Now, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and in just a moment I'm going to tag Jesse. He's going to take up where I leave off. And if he tags me again, I'll take up where he leaves off. And when I say a few things, he'll, I'll tag him and he'll take up where I leave off. We don't have a clue what anyone, either one is saying. <laughs> what I'm saying now, he hadn't heard me say. I hadn't rehearsed it with him. All I told him was, let's talk about the blessing zone. 
Amen. So I'm looking forward to where he goes from this. Now, I remember that one of the first times we, we tag teamed was in Augusta, Georgia. And I started off, and we didn't know where we were going that night. And I started off talking about David killing Goliath. And I got to the point to where David killed Goliath and cut his head off. And I tagged Jesse. And Jesse got up, and I, I was acting like I had that head in my hand. Jesse got up and said, God was just showing, trying to show David how to get ahead in life. <laughs> and he took off from there. In fact, at one point, the anointing of God hit us both, and we both fell back and come up immediately preaching. Praise God. It was, it was amazing. So I have no clue where Jesse is going with this, and he don't know where I'm going with it, but I promise you it will be good. Hallelujah. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 28 In verse 2 it says, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Come on thee and overtake thee. One of the words in the literal Hebrew that's translated in English, overtake, is the word surprise. All these blessings will come on thee and surprise thee. God's doing that to me all the time. All the time. Not occasionally. Not every once in a while. And I, I, I expect it after I learned this, I get up every day expecting God to surprise me in some way. It doesn't surprise me that he blesses me, but it always surprises me of who he uses to make it happen or how it comes. It's always a surprise. I never know how it's going to happen, but it doesn't surprise me that it does happen. I'm in a zone, hallelujah. And then notice here, the blessings will come on thee and overtake thee. And then it goes on to say that the blessings will come on you in the city. They'll come on you in the field. They'll come on you when you're going out. They'll come on you when you're coming in. That's in a zone, folks. When you're in a zone, blessings find you wherever you might be. In the city. In the field. Coming in. Going out. You're doing one or the other all the time. So why not just be blessed when you go out, when you come in, when you're in the city, when you're in the field? Just just get up every day and say, Lord, I happen to be going to the field today. Blessings come on me and overtake me. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be in the city. Blessings come on me and overtake me. Uh, right now I'm going out. Blessings come on me. Ble- uh, I'm coming in. Blessings come on me. You can get in a zone. Hallelujah. Where you make every half-court hook shot. Amen. Like metal or lemon. So, in his own. Now, in Romans chapter 15 and verse 29, Paul uses a phrase. And that phrase is this, the fullness of the blessing. The fullness of the blessing. That I might come unto you in the fullness of the blessing. And the word fullness here means a state of abounding. A state of abounding. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to be in the fullness of the blessing. Then tell another neighbor, the state of abounding. That's God's best for us. He doesn't want us to be blessed occasionally. He wants us to be blessed every moment of the day. He wants us to be blessed every day. He wants us to be blessed every week, every month, for the rest of our lives, so that it makes Him attractive to the rest of the world. Hallelujah. 
Nobody's attracted to Christians that go around talking about God wants us poor. God wants us to live in poverty. God wants us sick. God wants us broke. Nobody's attracted to that unless something's wrong with their brain. People are attracted to success. People are attracted to people that are excelling. People that are abounding. That's why God wants you to abound in His blessings so that your very life becomes an evangelistic tool. Eventually somebody's going to say, when they see all this blessing that you're walking in, how are you doing this? Where are you getting this? And you can say, it's the God I serve. It's His favor on my life. It's His blessing on my life. Would you like to know my God? Hallelujah. Give Him a good shout of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you understand the blessing and then you're walking in the blessing, you're leaving puddles of blessing. So my God, if you don't have it, just step in my water. All you got to do is step in those blessings. See, people are waiting for the blessing to get into them when you should be entering into the blessing. And people see blessing. And, and what are they seeing in you? Do they see that blessing God? It's not about just how much you have. It's what you're willing to release. And when you understand what you're willing to release, let me just say that your blessing is limited by your capacity to receive. You see, and I'm telling you, I, I refuse to be limited in the blessing. And the Lord said, the Lord's my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd? Oh, let me get black with it. Is the Lord your shepherd? Hey, I shall not want. I'll never get to wood want. I shall not want. Because the blessing zone, I live there. I got off, I like what Kathy said. She said, I got off of Stress Street and went to Blessed Street. When you understand the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's more than money. It's everything, spiritually, physically, financially, every area of your life. People say, he's got so much joy. You want some? Just get into my joy. Jump into it. All you got to do. I just follow what Jesus says to do. That blessing, see, that blessing that's beyond human reason. I don't care where I go. I don't care what country I'm in. It makes no difference because I bring it with me. I bring it with me. I had one man tell me, we can't do much. I said, you don't need much. I got a lot of much. I said, you ain't got to worry about this. I promise you, if you get close to me, this anointing of increase will come upon you. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. You get out of debt quicker than you ever thought in your life. Say, that's arrogance and cockiness. No, that's called debt free. See, that's the blessing of the Lord. And when you bless the Lord, he blesses you. Some people say, I I, want to enter into the rest. No, no. The rest has to enter into you. See, you got to enter into it. When you enter into it, then rest begins to flow in your life. Spiritually, physically, financially, every area. It makes no difference who you are or what you are. I never forget, I was walking in the lakeside mall with my granddaughter when she was really little. And she liked all that frozen stuff. You know, that, that, that movie, whatever it was. This is many years ago. To make a long story short, and I was always dragging up the rear, and Kathy had, had married, and she walked in there, and it's a Disney store is what it was. Now, watch, I didn't know that we were entering into the blessing zone. So she turned around to Kathy, her Mimi, and she said, Mimi, can I have a toy? And uh, it was amazing what was going on. And, and Kathy said, go ask your grandfather. Well, by that time, I'm barely getting inside the store. I'm just on the way. And she runs up to me, and she says, uh, grandfather. She calls me grandfather. Hallelujah. I thought she gets blessed. She called me grandfather. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. She said, can I have a toy? And it hit me. Something hit me. And what it was was God Almighty. And I, I said, where's the manager of this store? And the lady, and the lady said, I'm the manager. I said, how much? much inventory you have in this store? She said, what? I said, how much inventory you got in this store? How much money? She said, about $200,000. I said, it's all sold. Lock, stock, and barrel. You can go home. Lock the place up. Everything in that store belongs to her. The blessing zone. The lady went, what? 
And Maddie went, whoa! I said, get what you can. I said, I'm telling you, go. I said, I'll buy everything. Lock it down. I said, Kathy, you got a check? She said, I always got a check. Praise God. We're going to just pay for the place. And, I'm t- and she was walking around. Now, listen, I'm waiting for her to get stuff. She only picked four things, see? Sometimes people don't understand what the blessing zone is. It's more than enough. It's beyond human reasoning. You see what I'm saying? And they're afraid to choose. Don't let the fear of choosing make you choose nothing. Let me say it again. Don't let the fear of choosing make you choose nothing because the blessing wants to bless you. And I mean, I'm just looking. There was two little girls, one five, one seven years old. And they're just looking around. I said, would y'all like something? Go, I just go get anything you want. I, I didn't care. Why? Because it's the anointing of blessing going on to each other. See, why? we're in the store. It's just happening. And the mother said, oh, we don't take charity. And I said, what's the matter with you, woman? You don't take love? And then two girls turned around to their mama and said, mama, the man wants to bless us. <laughs> The kid could understand the blessing. The crazy mama could not. You know, she wouldn't let me do it. I wanted to bless those kids. She wouldn't let me do it. See, people don't understand the blessings because they think there's a limit to it. There is no limit in the blessing zone. None whatsoever. And, and she only chose four little things. And I said, Meredith, you can have it all. And I could see the manager said, take it all. Because <laughs> they get commission. You know, that's how they work. I said, and I had made up my mind, I'm going to buy everything in the store. And I don't mean that problem. I can buy everything. I can buy the store. It don't make any difference. And you know what she said? I said, get anything you want. It's all yours. She said, grandfather, this is hard. This is hard. See, when the whole blessing is yours. And I never forget, Kathy called Phyllis, uh, Keith Moore, Phyllis Moore, and, and, and it was amazing what Phyllis said. And I never thought of it like that. She said, Meredith does not understand, knows no limitation. He said, if it had been a bunch of poor kids in there, they'd have ran and grabbed everything they could get their hands on. But Meredith, she only took four things. She said, this is hard. This is hard. See, a lot of people don't understand. We didn't make her greedy. And she said, oh, I, can I give it all away, Grandpa? I said, give it all away. I don't care. And, everything. and it was one of the most amazing things. But from that day forward, we didn't buy the store. I mean, she only took four things. But every time I'd come, she, that, that minister was looking for me to bless him. What's on his mind today? Why? Because I'm her grandfather. I was never grand till she was born. They never called me grand till she was born. I became grandfather. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you spiritually, physically, going in, going out. Everything I touch prospers. Who do you think you are? A very prosperous person. Spiritually, physically, financially. I can prove it to you. You ever saw me sad? You ever saw me sick? You ever saw me depressed? You ever saw me discouraged? Let me go preach over here in this hole over here. Have you ever seen it? Don't I look younger when I get closer to you? Come on, girl, say something, will you? Praise God. When you understand that God wants to put the whole mother load on you if you just let him have it. All you got to do is let walk in that. But what are people going to say? You don't care what they say before. What are you worried about caring what they say now? You don't have to make an excuse for the blessing. The blessing is a state of understanding. The blessings is a state of receiving. The blessing is a state of giving. It's just whatever it wants. And I don't care. I, I'm always very aware of when the blessing becomes on me. And like time I might be in a restaurant. I never forget one time, me and Leroy Thompson, we went to a restaurant. And it was two minutes to 10 and Carl, the place closes at 10 o'clock. You know, and I'm pretty sure, you know, a lot of people are working it. They don't want somebody like us coming there to get something to eat. And there was a big political thing going on uh, for the mayor of New Orleans. 
And, and now, Leroy Tom, he lived in Baton Rouge. I live in New Orleans. Make a long story. We, we get together to have friends. So we come in and, and this guy come in. And you could tell he wasn't blessed. This, this kid that was going to wait on us, he looked like a zombie. <laughs> I thought, oh, God, we got a zombie here. <laughs> but we wanted to know what was happening during the election. So Leroy said, is there any way y'all have a, a newspaper? And the, the kid, you ever been to some of those places where you go to get some, maybe a fast food place? What? Oh, Lord Jesus. You're not going to get what you want. You're certainly not going to get what you want because they done forgot what you told them, even if they turn around to tell somebody else. That's zombies. You see what I'm saying? And I said, Leroy, he's a zombie. He said, yeah, I can tell you. He's a zombie, you know. And he said, no, we don't have nothing like that. I said, well, can you go look, young man? No. No, and all of a sudden there was a young girl. Watch this. The blessing zone was starting to come. There's a young girl coming. She said, y'all looking for a newspaper? And I, 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 we said, yeah. She said, well, listen, there's one at McDonald's down the street. I'll just go there and get you one. And me and Leroy just looked at the woman and said, uh, oh, no. Well, you know, I, 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 we apologize. It's two minutes to ten, but we're hungry. And, you know, she said, oh, no. She said, it takes us an hour and a half to clean this place up. I'll get in my car and go down there. And I'll get you a newspaper. I said, get rid of the zombie. We, we don't want him. I said, go away, zombie. Uh, I love Popeye. I love Popeye. <laughs> and we didn't want the zombie. They didn't want anything good with the zombie. She got in her car. She said, I'll come wait on you. She took her order, put it in, went, got down, went, drove to the McDonald's and got us a newspaper. We tried to give her money. Oh, no. She said, it's only 50 cents. That's not, I'll take care of that. She put, and, and we got to reading. And I said, oh. I said, Leroy. I said, do you feel? I said, ha. I said, oh, hmm, boy, man, my white went black. Woo, Lord. Hallelujah. The cream was gone, and I was just black. And we were just, he said, let's bless her. I said, we'll bless her. Boy, we ate like, and when she said, I said, what are you doing? I'm going to college. And I said, well, where do you live? And she said, well, I live across the street there. And I said, she said, I have to work because my mother and father can't afford it. I said, well, how much is your rent? She said, $895 a month. I said, well, let's pay for your rent for six months. She go, oh, Jesus, the zombie, the zombie woke up. He lost rent for 50 cents. And, I, and Leroy said, well, bless God, let's add some more to it. By the time we got finished blessing that girl, who, she said, I could quit. I could quit. She said, but I won't quit. I'm a worker. I said, girl, you going somewhere to be blessed. We had the most wonderful time. And as we walked by, I just looked at the zombie. <laughs> you see, don't let the blessing wave you off. Did you get it? You thought I was off the message, didn't you? Don't let the blessing wave you off. God just trying to be a blessing to you if you'll just allow him to do it. I want my family saved. Yes. Well, you don't know how bad my family is. The heathens. You don't know how good my God is. You see what I'm saying? That's a miracle every day if you're just walking the blessing. All you got to do is walk in that blessing. Supernatural provision. Getting into the blessings in every area. I just made up my mind that I would live on earth like I would live in heaven. So my God, when I walk into the jewelry store, the jewelry store comes inside of me. And I turned around to Kathy and I said, whatever. And Kathy gets to lean on it. Okay, here we go. And the other day we was in a, we was in a, I was talking to the owner and all of a sudden Kathy said, Jesse, this ring is talking to me. This ring is talking to me. I said, well, get the thing. If it's talking to you, answer it. 
And it was a beautiful emerald diamond ring. I, I didn't know how much it was. So the, the, uh, the Ken, the, the, the salesman, he said, how you want paper? I said, here, here's my credit card. Uh, my, not credit card, my American Express. I said, just put it on that. Now, I had no idea because I was talking to the owner. We're having a good time. And he came back, he said, you got to sign it. And I look, and the ring's $60,000. And Kathy goes. I, and, and, and Ken was waiting for me to say, oh, no. I said, is that all she getting? Ken says, oh, is that all you getting, Miss Kathy? <laughs> she said, that's all I want. You can see it on his face. <sighs> now, I don't mean it's private. I didn't care what she got. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching. because I, I just got a kickback. Let me get over here. I got a kickback here. You know why? You're going to have a hard time entering to that zone because you think that's too much. The God you serve is the God of too much. The God of too much. Too much. Get to a point where, Lord Jesus, I don't know what to do with all this, spiritually, physically, or financially. See, there are a lot of people in church, they don't understand the blessings. So they won't believe in speaking in tongues. They won't believe in, in living in healing. You see, they're staying on the outside of the zone. And that's where Satan resides. Satan didn't live in the Eden. He lived outside Eden. He got in, but he couldn't stay in there. Do you see my point? The blessing. And I like what God told Adam. He didn't finish. He didn't finish the Garden of Eden because, you see, it wasn't blessed until man put his hand on it. He said, dress it and keep it. When Jody was born, she was born naked. My daughter, all babies are born naked. My God, and I thought, my Lord, I went to the store and I bought a dress so I could dress her and keep her. And she came out of Arlington Memorial Hospital, the only one in my family that's a Texan, because we're all Cajun people born in New Orleans in there. And she came out just dressed beautiful. I dressed her and I kept her. And I'm still doing it if she'll let me. And she used to not receive from it. Finally, I said, you're not going to let me bless you. But when she finally got the revelation, I asked her this the other day. She made 51. I said, what you want for your birthday, Jody? She said, Daddy, let the Lord lead you. Just let the Lord lead you. Oh, it was such a blessing. I didn't know what she wanted. She needs to know what she wants. But sometimes I just get something in my mind. I just, one time, it was last year, I just came to the office, Carolyn, and I, I didn't have nothing on my mind. And I drove back by her house. You know, I have to drive past her house when I'm going. And then when I got there, she came in, you know, we started work. And I said, hey, Jordan, you want a new car? She said, what? I said, you want a new vehicle? She said, oh, Dad, the one you got me uh, two years or three years ago is still good. I said, I didn't ask that. Do you want a new vehicle? She said, Dad, let the Lord lead you. <laughs> Led me right over to the Range Rover place. You know, and people remember people that walk in the blessing. Jody walked in there and they said, you are just the planet's daughter. She said, my dad wants to buy me a new car. He, and the, the actual salesman said, whatever she wants, give it to her. I don't mean that pridefully. Some of you are thinking that's pride. No, that's the blessing zone. Because you see, it's uh, thank you, Holy Ghost. It's very unusual for not not to be blessed. It's very unusual. You see what I'm saying? So what are you going to do? Ah, we can't do that. But what are you going to do when you get to heaven? I don't believe in that prosperity message. You can't go to heaven. You're going to get mad at Jesus. You're going to get mad as a hornet. You're going to be walking on gold streets, and you're going to go, no, Jesus, no. <laughs> We live in Rowlett. You got a trailer? No, we ain't got no trailer here. 
<laughs> it ain't nothing wrong with a trailer. That's not the issue. I don't even know where Rowlett is. I saw a sign that said Rowlett, so I just thought I'd use it. <laughs> I have no idea where it's at. You know, but when you understand that the blessing, and when you understand it completely, you will argue for the blessing, and you will argue to be a blessing. Amen. Jerry and Carolyn, we're at the house, and we've been having fun, just enjoying ourselves. Now watch this, and I love Papa Cedars. I like that Mexican food, you know. I like it spicy, you know. And I love the salsa. Now I don't eat it with the chips. I said, get me a spoon. And you can ask Jerry. Yeah, they brought me a bowl, man. I'm just, I'm just wiping it out. Of course, I had to have a miracle this morning when we went to the bathroom. But I tell you what, I just wiping it out. Oh Lord, Jesus. I mean, it was Texas time. Hallelujah. I mean, I just enjoy. Now watch it. I got in the back of Jerry's car, and the girls are driving. Carolyn's driving, and Kathy's sitting in the front, and. Immediately, you see, when you understand the blessing, you will argue for the blessing. As well as being the blessing. Now, Jerry said, looked at me, and he left-handed. He got the wrong hand, you know. He said, I'm going to tell you something. And I thought, what is he say? You in my town? You keep your money in your pocket? You understand this is my blessing? I said, no. And I mean, he said, I, he, he said, no. Because he was arguing to be the blessing. You see what I'm saying? Then when he come to New Orleans, Lord, he said, no, you in my town. And then when guest speakers come that have come and preached for Kathy, she's the pastor of the church. Jerry told uh, Richard Roberts, uh, he, he, he said, Jerry told Richard, Richard, Richard said, uh, Jerry told me, don't order nothing. You just order it all. I said, OK, man. And I started. Boom, boom, boom. Man, Richard Roberts walked in. I'm feeling good and walked out bloated and fat. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. My God. We enjoyed being the best. See, we're not showing off. I could show off more with that money in my pocket than I could in that lady that paid that we paid her rent. And I was at PF Change. You want some? Just, I like PF Change. Uh, Jerry and Carolyn introduced us to PF Change. This is all, many years ago. And I'm just saying, this this girl's good waitress. See, but the Lord said, blessing. And I didn't know what that meant at that time, but I know God's voice. So I'm sitting there, man, we just enjoy the art. And this girl is on sharp, on the edge, where you ought to be. I mean, she's just good. Before I could, my water would get a little boom, she'd fill it up. You know what I mean? She's anything else. I mean, it's just amazing. And don't you like waitresses when you got a dirty plate, they take it off the table? Yeah. Instead of just leaving it there, they'll take it off. Yeah, you clean it and all that kind of stuff. And the Lord said, bless her. I said, what? what? He said, ask her what she's doing. So I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm going to Tulane. I said, you're going to Tulane? I said, she said, yeah. I, I said, oh, great. She said, I'm working here to help uh, supplement my, uh, my, you know, I don't have a, uh, what they call it, a uh, scholarship and things of that nature. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, after Tulane, what are you going to do? She said, I'd really like to go into pre-med. I like to, you know, I said, oh, man, what a blessing. She said, but I'm a hard worker. That's fine. I said, well, I said, is your tuition pretty strong or Tulane? Oh, yeah, it's very expensive. I said, well, it isn't too strong for me. Can I pay for your tuition? She go, what'd you say? I said, can I pay for your tuition? I said, I don't care how much it is. Kathy, you got a check? I always got a check. <laughs> That's Kathy. And I just gave her money for her tuition. No, I, not for her. I gave the tuition. I didn't care what it is. It didn't make any difference because you cannot limit me. Oh, you didn't get that. You didn't get that. You know why you can't limit me? Because you can't limit the God inside of me. Well, buddy, now people got to wait in line at P.F. Chains, but not Jesse and Kathy. They'd be an hour away. I walk in, they go, Reverend. 
over here. Why? Because the blessing opens doors for you. Now, I don't let people take advantage of me. I don't let people try to use me. I've had some people say, get Jesse to play. He'll pay for it. No, 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 no. I was born at night, but not last night. Ah, you know, because you see, the blessing is a holy thing. Hallelujah. You see what I mean? And you got to understand something about that crazy devil. Before he was a devil, he walked in the stones of fire. He was the, he was the, 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 the cherub that covereth, my God. Do you know what he would do when he said covereth? A lot of people don't know if you do a study. Lucifer, not Satan. So God created Lucifer. He didn't create Satan. Lucifer created Satan. He would go on top of the throne where the spirit of God, whoo, and he would spread his wings and cover that anointing. And the anointing would come up and hit him. And then it would go back down. And more people desired that. But when he noticed the other people, the other angels seeing that, he thought, I can become him. Because the blessing was created by him. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I'm talking about. So when you understand, you enter into the blessed place. So I've been walking around here doing this wonderful ministry, and I mean, my God, and I just, I just entered into the blessing. I said, hey, Jerry, I hadn't seen your new vet. I hadn't seen that one that they gave you for your birthday. And so he said, oh, yeah, let's go look at it. And when I walked in, his, it's not a shop. It's a museum. It truly is a museum. It's a blessing. Look, when I walked in, man, fumes hit me. I went, oh, Jesus. He said, don't it smell good? I said, yeah, it smells. I take a nose hit. Yeah. That's for you people no drugs. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you people never done that. What's a nose hit? You don't want to know what a nose hit is. And, I t- and every time I went to one of his creations, because they're creation, buddy. Ah, I, was, I was losing. The blessing of the Lord was so powerful in the shop because it's physical that I was losing my age. And by the time I got to the GTOs, I'm 16. And I can hear a little GTO. You're really looking fine. A full speed. <laughs> and my God, I even went to the chariots. And the songs were on me. I was still young. Mustang Sally. <laughs> I just enjoyed myself. He knows I like trucks, man. And he got the most beautiful. I said, where that truck with all that chrome? I want that chrome. He said, well, that's in another one of my shops. See, you can have more than one museum or one shop. Why? Because God is not limited. And if God is not limited, then why should any of us be limited at all? Amen. 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 <laughs> Glory to God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. Notice I didn't say open your Bibles to first Jerry. I said open your Bibles to Proverbs. I didn't read. I didn't write that. I said I didn't write that. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. And God says the blessing will make you rich. If you got a problem with rich, get over it. Don't limit God. The Bible says in Psalm 78, they limited the Holy One of Israel. And the three predominant ways that they limited him was their small thinking, their negative talking, and the Bible says they forgot his hand. In other words, they forgot the power and ability of God 
to make the impossible possible. Amen. Amen. So don't limit God through your small thinking. You know, I remember back a number of years ago, and um, it was during the PTL scandal and the Jimmy Swaggart scandal. And uh, Carolyn and I both, we just kind of decided that, well, we'll just kind of stay neutral right now. We, we, we really got to the place where we didn't want people thinking we stole the offerings yeah. to have what we have. And we didn't. And God knew that and we knew that. But we got a little bit concerned about what people would think. In fact, there was a man that uh, would drive by our house in an old pickup. And if he saw me outside, maybe washing my car or something, he'd roll his window down, never stop, just roll his window down and drive by. Hey, preacher, do you steal the money to get that car? Then he'd roll his window up and drive off. Never give me a chance to, you know say something back to him. And it, it plays on your mind. You know, you don't want people thinking you're dishonest or you're crooked or you're a con artist. And it almost, we didn't say it out loud, but you, 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 you almost saying God don't bless us anymore right now until the scandals blow over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And one day it hit us. Wait a minute. They didn't, they didn't bother talking about us when we didn't have anything. We believe in God for everything. Believe in God for my next minute. Where was that guy in that pickup when I first moved to Fort Worth and I was walking down the street looking for Coke bottles to sell so I could buy milk for my babies? Where was he? He don't, he don't know any of that about me. He don't know what I went through. He don't know, uh, you know, the days that we walked the floors confessing the word, not knowing where our next meal was coming from. Where was he when I was driving that old dog of a car and had over 100,000 miles on it? Couldn't depend on it. Have to believe God for it to start. You didn't just turn the ignition on. No, you prayed in tongues an hour before you went out to try to start it. Because it didn't respond to the ignition. It responded only to tongues. <laughs> and once you got it started, you kept it running. Because if you kill the engine, you might not get it started again. Where was he when I was driving that car? Amen? Where was he when the only suit I had was a suit that was bought for me in a rummage sale for $15? I don't know how old that suit was. But one night I was watching The Untouchables on television and Al Capone had that suit on. <laughs> That's how old it was. And I moved over here in the springtime, almost summertime. That's the only suit I had. And I'm going off with Brother Copeland on meetings and we didn't go for one night back then. We went for three weeks. Brother Copeland used to say, it takes a week uh, to break through all the unbelief. Another week, they start hearing what you say. And the third week, we'd have a move of God. And I had one suit. 
three weeks, three services a day. And there was a little cheap store here in Fort Worth. I don't remember what the name of it was, but you could buy shirts there real cheap and ties real cheap. And I had one suit, so I went and bought six or seven shirts. I mean, cheap and ties. And I wore the same suit, just changed the shirts and the tie. Made it look like I had a wardrobe. Where was he when I was wearing that? Where was he when we paid the rent on the place? Didn't know what we were going to do to be, have groceries. I left town one time for three weeks and left Carolyn with $3.50 and the girls to eat on, to take care of themselves while I was gone. Carolyn said, gone? I felt like a dog. I, I, I started remembering the one, uh, my dad gave me two scriptures growing up. One, he said, a man that don't work, don't eat. I thought it was in the Bible. He said it was. So I like eating, so I went to work. And then after I got married, he said, a man that doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. I didn't know what an infidel was, but it didn't sound good, and I didn't want to be one. <laughs> and now I'm leaving town for three weeks and giving her $3.50 for her and the girls to live on while I'm gone. Where was that guy when that was all going on? And she went to church that morning and gave it in the offering. And when she got back home, wearing her cut-down maternity dresses, because she had babies 13 months apart, that's all she had. They were maternity dresses. She cut them down and, and wore them after she had the babies. Where was that guy? She gave that $3.50 in the offering, come back home, took her dress off, hung it up, and when she got ready to go to church that night, put it back on and reached in the pocket and found out somebody put a $50 bill in there. And that, that helped take care of them while I was gone. Where was that guy? Where was the critics then? You know, I wish Jesus hadn't said this. He talked about the hundredfold with persecutions. Don't you wish he just said, you'll receive a hundredfold, period, <laughs> with persecutions. I didn't start getting persecuted till I got in the zone. You get persecuted when you're in the zone. And so back then, during those scandals, we limited God. We limited God. I said, we limited God. He was wanting to continue blessing us right along through all of that. And one day we woke up to it and said, we are, we are not going to live this way where we are controlled by what other people think. Let them think what they think. We know we're honest before God. God knows we're honest before Him. God knows we didn't steal it. God knows we worked hard for everything we do. God knows we're givers and we're sowers. Whether anybody else knows it or not, we know it. God knows it. And that's all that matters. Hallelujah. Amen. You can, you can limit God by allowing others to control your life by what they think or what they say. I heard Brother Jesse preach a sermon one time about, uh, it was choke something. You're, the chokehold. Everybody has a chokehold where you get to a certain level and you, you can't go beyond that because you choke on it, you know. 
Well, it, with, it, with a joke, to demonstrate that, I was watching Johnny Carson one night, and this comedian was on there, and he, he came out in a football uniform, helmet, shoulder pads, and all that. And he said, uh, uh, man, we were, we were headed for the Super Bowl. We were going to play in the Super Bowl. And he said, and I already had my sights set on a Mercedes. I already knew when my Super Bowl winnings, I was going to buy that new Mercedes. We lost, and now I got to buy a Pinto. <laughs> well, you let circumstances change what you believe God wanted you to have. Now, another time we were, uh, Carol and I had gone up to New York City. We loved going up there during Christmas time. And, and uh, we had a room at the Plaza Hotel. And they have buggy rides over to Central Park. And we got on in one of the buggies and drove, rode over to Central Park. Snow on the ground. Beautiful, you know, Rockefeller Center and all that. It's beautiful. It's Christmas time. And we went over to Tavern on the Green. A restaurant. Okay, Tavern on the Green is a very well-known restaurant in Central Park in New York City. And it's, it is opulent. I mean, it is a beautiful place. And we went over there to have our meal. And uh, then the next day, we, we were just going to have the day off and just go sightseeing and so forth. And right across from the Plaza Hotel was a, a shop an exclusive men's shop. And I walked in there. (laughs) I'd never seen more beautiful shirts in my life. I mean, they were the most beautiful material, the shirts, the designs, and none of them had a price on it. This is the kind of story, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Okay? So I'm just looking. and I mean, these shirts are beautiful. And I overheard a guy, uh, he was paying for his shirt, and I heard what it cost. So that's the only reason I knew what it cost. And I, I hadn't bought anything. I'm just looking. I'd never seen anything more beautiful. So sometime later, we asked Jesse and Kathy if they'd like to go to New York City with us. And I said, uh, we're going to stay at the plaza. And we did all those beautiful things that we did. And I said, Jesse, I want to take you over to this store, this men's store. You've never seen shirts like this in your life. Jesse walks in and says, oh, Jesus, look at these shirts. They're so beautiful. And he picked up one. He picked up another. He picked, and I hadn't said a word to him. He, he laid 10 shirts on the counter. And he got his American Express card out, got ready to pay for him. And the guy said, that'll be 15000 some odd dollars. And Jesse said, oh, Jesus. And we walked out of there. <laughs> Donald Trump brought his shirts there. I told Jesse, can you imagine if I brought one of those shirts home? It cost $1,500 a piece. What Crowley cleaners would do to them in one wash. <laughs> Now, I don't own $1,500 shirts. But if that's what I wanted, God would arrange for it. He's unlimited. Amen. Amen. Now, you can, you can live a blessed life 
and not be wasteful. Amen. Not be wasteful. Not, not, not just run around showing off and just blowing money. The blessing will make you rich. That's what the Bible says. Get over rich. Some people, that word sticks in their throat. Whoa. Can't even say it. God doesn't mind you being rich. He doesn't mind if it takes every bank and forward text to hold all your money. Just as long as you remember the Lord thy God, it is He that giveth thee the power to get wealth. Can you say amen? amen? And Him giving you the ability to get wealth through the blessing, because it's the blessing that makes a person rich. The purpose for Him doing it is, yes, He wants you to live a very comfortable, wonderful life, but the real motive behind it is so you can be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. That's why He wants you in the zone. Hallelujah. So that you have more than enough to take care of you and your family and plenty left over to help take care of other families as well. Amen? And when you're able to take care of other families, then praise God, you have entered into the zone. What Bill Riley used to call it, the no-spin zone or something like that. Oh, you get in this zone, you spin. (laughs) Amen. It's a wonderful way to live. Being blessed to be a blessing. You know, Jesus called at what we traditionally call the Last Supper. And Judas went over to say something to him. And he said, What you do, do it quickly. And he left the room. And the Bible says the other disciples thought that he went to give to the poor. Now when other people, for instance, if I said, uh, Pastor Phil, and everybody in here, and he gets up and walks out, and everybody thought, Brother Jerry just told him to go give to the poor. You have to have a reputation for that. That's what the other disciples thought. He was going to betray Jesus. But the other disciples thought that he, he was being instructed to go give to the poor. Amen? That's how God wants us. Amen. That we are in such a blessing zone that if anybody just whispered to somebody else, they're going to go give to the poor. They're going to go bless somebody. They're going to go help somebody. That's the reason God wants us in the blessing zone. is so that we can be a blessing. You know, Carolyn and I started uh, saying years ago, years ago, we, we want to get to the place, because I go to a lot of churches. And I said, I want to get to the place to where I can go to some churches and be able to pay their mortgage off. That's my dream. Now you would have thought, I want to get to the place where I can own four Mercedes and a Rolls Royce. No, that wasn't my desire. My desire was God bless us so much where when we go to some of these churches that we can pay their mortgage off for them so they're not under the stress of a payment and not have to pay all that interest. And one time I was invited to a church where they were having a a 20-year a, a celebration, I believe. 
And uh, I'm sitting there, and they're showing videos of the history of the church, and and uh, the pastors uh, going over all the things that they've experienced in the last 20 years and so forth. And then he said, now I'm sitting on the front row, my pilot's next to me. And he said, now, Brother Jerry, we just want you to know this is a 20-year dream for us. We've been wanting you to come to our church for 20 years. And you're here today. You are an answer to our prayer. He said, now, just before Brother Jerry came, he didn't know I'd prayed this. He didn't know that this was one of my desires. And he said, now, just before Brother Jerry comes, let's all stand and let's make our confession. And he led him in a confession. And in that confession was, we are believing that we will have our mortgage paid off before the end of this year. And I jumped. And, and Sam Douglas, who was my pilot at the time, he said, what, what, what happened? I said, God just spoke to me. He said, what did he say? I said, just wait. You'll hear it. And I got up and I said, Pastor, uh, let me correct you. You today are an answer to my prayer. He said, I'm an answer to your prayer? I said, yes. I said, I've been praying and believing God for an opportunity to be able to pay the mortgage off on a church. What do you owe? He told me, I said, consider it paid. We'll send you a check tomorrow. It's paid off. Praise God. Amen. Now, like Jesse said, I could show off more with all that money in my pocket. But that's not what it was for. God had blessed me, blessed our ministry, so that we were able to pay the mortgage off on a church. And that's not the last time we've done it. Now, when people started hearing that I was paying mortgages off, the invitations increased immediately. Isn't that right? And I'm not called to pay every mortgage off. I can't pay every mortgage off. But God answered that prayer. He put us in the blessing zone. Amen. So that we could be a blessing. That's what it's all about. A lot of people, they just want to be blessed. Oh, Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. The Lord said to me one time, son, you're forgetting the other part of that, bless, that, that, that verse. I said, he said, yes, you are entitled to the blessings of Abraham. But if you're going to have his blessings, then take on his assignment as well. Amen. I blessed him to be a blessing. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed to be a blessing. And when you get in the blessing, when you get into the blessings, and they're coming on you and overtaking you, no matter where you go, you're in the zone. And give the Lord a shout for it. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I had to find the door to get into this church today. You came through a door. Now, why is Jerry telling you all these things? And why are we telling you all these things? What is the door to walk into the blessing zone? Uh, Put Deuteronomy 8.18 above there. This is the door. Now, if you want to live in the blessing zone, put it up there. Watch that. This is the door you got to walk through. Deuteronomy 8.18. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. What is the door? The door of remembrance. That's why you were telling us those things. See, when you remember, you bring honor to God. Not to yourself, but to God. Because none of us could ever do these things. And we need to start off with a bunch of money. 
didn't do anything. But we started off with a seed. We started off with a seed and we set goals. Jerry set goals that he wanted to pay off churches. I've done the same thing. And in a church in North Louisiana, this man walked up to me three years before I got there. He said, Brother I know you're a big preacher. I said, look at me. I'm five foot seven. I'm not a big preacher, but I'm, I'm building a church and, and I, I would love for you to come and dedicate. I said, I will come. He said, would you do that? I said, yes, I would. And he said, okay, that, now, I, I got a phone call three years later. What I did not know, this wonderful man who was a pastor, he built that church with his hands. No, and a lot of people didn't help him at all. I mean, he knew how to weld steel. I mean, he built it. I mean, his hands were cut. Very rough hand when you shook his hand. You know, you could tell that was a man that worked outside hard. And he built it. And it was beautiful. And it was about maybe uh, about two-thirds this size. It was a beautiful thing. And he was a very honorable man. Watch this. I'm remembering. See, this is, I'm helping you get into the blessing zone. Also, I got a phone call. He said, Brother Jesse, do you remember me? I said, I certainly do. He said, well, uh, we built our church. We. No, he built that church. Hardly anybody would come help him. Sat, he, and he worked. He had a job. But he, 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 all his days off for three years, building that church. I mean, and he knew how to build. You know, he fixed it. I said, I would love to come. Well, could you come next Sunday? I said, I'll be there. Little did I realize, because he's such an honorable man, that the district attorney of uh, Bossier City and the district attorney of Shreveport and the sheriff of Bossier City and Shreveport were there at the dedication. I flew in and I came and the Lord said, will you do what I ask you to do? I said, Lord, I'm yours to command. What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to pay this church off. This is the first service. Now, I didn't know how much they had, And he built the and they had mortgage. They had borrowed a hundred thousand dollars. So watch that. Let me show you how I found out. So he turned the service over there. They didn't have worship. They had a tape that they put on. They didn't have any worship people on the tape. And people just sang to the tape. And when the tape finished, you shut up. You know, you can't keep going because the tape goes off. <laughs> I mean, that's it. But they would happen. And it was a beautiful, sweet little church. Blessing of the Lord. So he turned it over to me. And I, and I said, I want to thank the wonderful, the district attorneys and the sheriff for coming like that. And, uh, and they, they just, was, I didn't know who they were, you know. I'm from South Louisiana, you know. This is up in Northern Louisiana. I think it's the place called Benton. I may be wrong in that. But it's right out of Bossier City. Is that right? A little town there. To make a long story short, <laughs> I got up there and I, and I looked at him and I said, Pastor, I don't mean to be uh, rude because uh, I don't ask people what they pay for things. I said, how much, how much did you uh, uh, borrow it for this church. He said, oh, but that's a lot of money. I said, well, how much? What? He said, it's $100,000. $100,000 would be like $10 million to these people. These are just normal, hard-working people, which is nothing wrong with that. I said, really? Now, watch this. District attorneys, these two of them, plus the sheriff, they're all looking at me. You know? I said, well, my God. I said, this is your first son dedication. And he said, yes. I said, uh, I, I said, Kathy, let's pay off this church today. The first service they had in the new building, the church was paid off. The district attorney just looked at each other. The sheriff looked at it. He busts out crying. Paid the church off. Kathy had a check. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. He starts crying. He gets up. Now watch it. He's working a secular job. And, he, and his main go, oh God. If we could just get enough uh, so I can support missions. So watch it. He got up crying. Boy, everybody's crying and all that kind of stuff. 
See, thou shall remember the Lord thy God. That's the door to the blessing zone. That's why you're telling these stories, say, giving God honor. To make a long story short, he got up and says, my God, we had a note of $1,000 or $1,100 a month. He said, we're going to continue that note and give it to missions. Within two weeks, he was on full-time salary, no longer working a job. He was full-time pastor. Within two weeks. But you see, he remembered. And I remember. Do you remember? You see what I'm saying? And you know, you don't get mad at God if tough times come. Because tough times don't last. That's his old Texas statement. Tough people do. When the Dallas Federation of Musicians pulled it, pulled, the union pulled it on me, man. I was making money when I came here in 1970. I lived in, on Park Row in Arlington. We rented that apartment. There. And then in Richardson, and then uh, uh, Webb Chapel Road, right off of Webb Chapel Road, we had an apartment. They pulled it. And I remember going, and, and I couldn't ask my dad, because my dad said, I didn't marry her. <laughs> huh? Now, he liked Kathy. And I did, huh? That's your responsibility, baby. You do your thing. Uh uh-uh. uh. Huh? My dad didn't ever give me nothing. And I, that's right. He can do what he want to do. And, and I tell you what, we went to that store with $3 and pennies. Kathy said, uh, uh, macaroni and cheese on sale for 10 cents a box. I wasn't even saved. But he had pulled that contract from me. So I had a lot of money. And I shut down. So I got a job pulling weeds in a place that I played music at. I didn't care about pride. You can't eat pride. I had to to take care of Kathy. That was my job. And we bought, I mean, 10 cents a box. We bought $3 worth. That's a lot of macaroni and cheese at 10 cents a box. <laughs> now, you know, it was supposed to last a longer, and it wasn't more than a week. They, they, they gave me my, what they call union card, and boom. And I went back to over to $2,000 a week. You see what I'm saying? Now, now I did that, and, and I'd always would bless. People would want to come see us, and they couldn't afford it, so I'd give them money for the tickets. You know, and I, you know, I, just, I said, well, you know, I hope you enjoyed the show. Oh, we really enjoyed the show. Oh, that's a blessing. You know, things like that. And then a lot of college kids at Six Flags over Texas. I worked for that uh, uh, Great Southwest Corporation. I had signed a contract with Mr. Angus Wynn. Now, this is years and years ago there. And, and, and they, said, they said, you are not fit for Six Flags over Texas. The, because you are fit. We want you to play at Joe's Place, which they own Six Flags. You know, because you are an entertainer, man. You, you know how to do it. I said, sure. And, and I did that. So, and, and that's why I lost that when they pulled my federation, the federation. And I'm the next day, I'm there at that country club at the Great Wild pulling out weeds. I had to, I had to make a living. And I didn't mind. And boy, they were shocked that I would do that because I was a star. But they saw something in me. That it wasn't me. That I was willing to do whatever it take for my responsibility, which was Kathy. See what I'm saying? And I did that. And boy, I, and you know, I believe God blessed me. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. So when we tell you these stories, we're not bragging about that. We're giving God glory and honor. In every area of our lives, spiritually, physically, financial. But you'll never get into the blessing zone unless you walk through the memory door. You remember? So watch this. Sometimes we eat macaroni and cheese. And I look at Kathy and I say, do you remember? She said, yeah, when we bought that wonderful macaroni. And that was the best macaroni. It was craft. <laughs> 
And we ate that. And it wasn't long now we fill up the place with groceries and all that kind of stuff and things of that nature. It was just wonderful. And you see, even though Meredith has grown up, you can call her with a silver spoon in her mouth, but we tell her those things. And we tell her, you are no better than anyone. You never look down at a person because they don't have something. You be a blessing. And I taught Jody that until today, Jody does that. I don't know how many times they took homeless people and paid rent for months to put them in and help them and show them how to get a job. And Meredith too, man. Meredith, my, my, my granddaughter, yeah, as little, she said, let's just be a blessing. <laughs> you can tell Christian people, they don't say, oh, that, that was great. They, they say, no, that, we're being blessed. We're being a blessing. You see, that's, what that, that's getting into the blessing zone. And then you can hear that Abraham thing, because thou hast done this. I don't know if I said it, I'll say it again. I'll never forget my Abraham, my Abraham moment. When I got born again, I, got, I made a lot of money. Oh, God. So they didn't want me because I, I still looked like the rocker. Carolyn, I had the long head. Not as long as it was. I had cut it some, you know. But I mean, and they, 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 he's got that flair about him and all that kind of stuff, you know. But, you know, and they, uh, but they wanted my money. Well, if I'm bad, why is my money bad? But they sure took it, Ginger. And that was fine because I thought we just got to be poor. But I realized I couldn't be poor. I didn't know that. I mean, poverty could not stick itself to me because I was sowing seed. It couldn't get on me, but I don't know that. Because I'm thinking, you know, you better be a Christian, you got to be poor. You know, Jesus was poor. I like that anybody answer, when was he poor? I have had theological, homiletical, hermeneutical, philosophical debates with some of the biggest theologians. They can't answer it. You know why? Because he wouldn't. And neither was Mary and Joseph. Because you see, they paid taxes. People that were poor didn't pay taxes. Go read it. I mean, do some history. You'll find out something about history here. Just go read a history book and you'll find out. See, so and he had to go to pay his taxes. So that means he made some money. And notice he made he made Jesus a carpenter. Why? To build you your mansion in heaven. Everything is interconnected and connected together. Do you see that? So I mean, so I gave, you know. And but I didn't know. I'm thinking, my God, I gotta be poor. And three years later, now, now I made a lot of money, man. I mean, and it was the easiest thing to do to give away a lot of money. It's very hard to give away a little money. I lost a few of you right there when that's all you got. Boy, when I walked out that house, and I'll never forget that day. And the Lord said, give me all your money. And the first thing I thought, I believe I said it during the uh, uh, ministry's call. I said, in my mind, I didn't say it, but I thought, oh, I'm going to pay this house note. Because I had mortgaged the house. And I had financed the car. See, and I thought, wow, man. But I didn't say it. I, didn't, I had enough sense not to say bad thoughts. So I said, I'll do that. So I walked into the house, and I said, Kathy, God said to give all our money. We already done it once. Now, when I say give it all, I mean go to Jody's room, open up her piggy bank, the quarters, and flip it out. Everything. And I told her, I said, we have zero. We can't go any lower because that's the bottom floor. We're in the basement. This is it. And, I, and she was so happy. And I said, that's fine with me. She said, great, because she was so glad that I got out of that business, that I had got born again. And I walked back out that house. And when I walked, I come on, and I'll never forget that. I'm giving God glory. I, God talked to me in King James. He can talk to you in the message translation. He can talk to you in the passion translation. He can talk to you in the amplified classic edition translation. 
<laughs> Call it what you want. But he talked to me and it was my Abraham moment. He said, because thou hast done this. And not withheld from me what I have asked. I will bless you. I will make you will bless. You will preach to nations. You will have everything you need, you desire, and you want. And without sounding arrogant, I had to get out of New Orleans because there wasn't enough banks to hold my cash. You know, if you if you the FDIC, you know, you can only put what two hundred forty-five, two hundred fifty thousand. That's it. I said, Kathy, we got to go. We got to go out of town. You know, because cash is king. <laughs> Look at some of y'all. <laughs> Walk through that memory door. And I still remember the 10 cents a box. I remember all that. And I remember when I gave it all to him with tons of money and then the little money. And I called my, <laughs> fact, before I came here, I called my, one of my financial gurus guy. I said, hey, the feds just went up 75 basis points. Lock it down, baby. Get me some treasure bills. And the Lord, I said, Lord, he said, what, Jesse? I said, I'm on King James here because you have done this. Oh, excuse me, because thou hast done this and not withheld from me what you said. I will honor you all the days of my life. That's the door to the blessing zone. Thou shall remember the Lord thy God. It is he. And when you have anointing of increase, and I'm not going to tell you that, but I don't believe Jerry Annie called him on me saying that I was in the back yesterday and she walked up and gave a sizable donation to our ministry. And I said, I said, Jerry, Jerry, remember? I said, Jerry, this is your mom. And she, and she goes, and, and, and Carolyn goes, no, 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 no. And Jerry, them, they're like, no, do this. And it wasn't 10 seconds. Somebody put a check in her hand. I said, my God, it barely got to my fingers and the harvest was already coming back. Ask her. No, I ain't going to tell you who did it because that's that's her business. But what I'm saying, when you understand that, I sure remember. Where's my scripture? Thou sure remember. Watch this. The Lord, who's God? Who? Who does it? For it is who? He that Giveth, it didn't say he that loaneth, giveth the power, wow, to get wealth. Wait, but I thought wealth was bad. Uh-uh. Because you see, there's always something that goes with the wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore, or which he swore unto thy fathers, as it is this Day. This nation called Israel lived in tents. If you go up a few verses before you get to Deuteronomy 18, and it says, when you have built beautiful houses, goodly houses, when you are blessed, when your gold and silver is multiplied, and everything you got is multiplied. Watch this. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. People call it bragging. I guess you could, but it's not on me. It's on the God I serve. I've had some people say, how come I can't do that? I said, because you don't know where the door is. You think you did that. See, thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. That's the memory door. So I refuse to be limited in anything I do. Spiritually, physically, and financially. 
And in 40, over 46 years of preaching this glorious gospel, because I had my Abraham moment, I've never had a financial deficit. Never. I don't know what that means. My God. But because my mother and father believed in poverty, they died poor. But they had a debt-free house because I paid for it. My grandmother, God, I had the two best grandmothers. I wanted to buy her a nice dress, something. I don't think she ever wore anything over $5. She'd make them. Both grandmothers. I said, Grandma, let me show you what poverty do to you. Grandma, come away. I'm going to take you to the store. I want to buy you something. Oh, no, grandson. They loved me, you know. They protected me from my parents. My dad wouldn't get in my case. My grandma would get in front of me. You ain't touching that boy. And he could still see me because one was four foot nine and the other four foot eleven. And I'm all right in between. <laughs> they loved me, watched over me. He was mad at me about something. You're not touching that boy. And they were strong little women. Took her to the store. Show you what poverty will do your mind. And I bought her a Nolan Miller suit. Anybody know what a Nolan Miller is? It was a name of a very expensive suit. So. But she wanted to know how much it was. I said, I ain't got to know what it is, Grandma. We just want you to wear it. We just want you to be able to. I ain't got no place to go. I said, we'll find a place to go. We'll create a place to go. We'll just do it. I want you. And, oh, she just couldn't get over it. She had to know the price. She found out the price. You know what she said? Oh, I can't wear that. I'm going to wear that when I die. They're going to bury me in that. Remember that guy? I said, I don't want to see you dead in the casket with the Nolan Miller suit on. I want to see you wear this thing. I'll take you to dinner. We'll do it. Oh, grandson. Oh, I never, I never. I think it was 800 bucks for that suit. Oh, to her, that's $8 billion. You know what? She never wore it. But in the coffin. That's the best looking dead woman you ever saw. <laughs> she wore it as her burial outfit. I didn't buy it for that. That's what poverty does you. And you call that a blessing? That's a curse. And you know what? Even though I was missing her, it irritated me. That grandma could not enjoy that because of what somebody might say. I paid cash for a whole year on PTL. Oh, I was believing God. And I said, if I pay it cash a whole year, will you give me a deal? And Jim and Tammy Faye Baker said, yes. Now, I didn't know this messing around. I was so excited to go on PTL. I paid it on a Friday. And the scandals came out. They called it Holygate. You remember? Yeah. You know, Watergate, Holygate, the preacher fighting, all this kind of stuff. It was like you had a full bathtub. I come on the next week and there's scandals. Like you pull the plug out and the water's just going down. Man, my money going. I'm trying. I was so mad. I was going to go to Charlotte and rip off Tammy's eyelashes. I was mad. And I knew I could whip Jim Baker. That little fella. And I thought of it. I really did. And I said, I will repent later. But I'm doing this. 
hundred grand. You know how long it took me to save that? The Lord said, repent. I said, you're talking to the wrong people. Talk to them. Look at my money going up. He said, ain't your money. Thou shall remember Jesse the Lord thy God. He's the one that did that for me. But in my stupid little mind, I thought for a minute because I saw it going down the drain. So I asked the Lord to forgive me very slowly. <laughs> that was not easy for me. I said, Lord, I know better than that. He says, do you? Won't you say it out loud so your mouth, so your brain can hear what your mouth is saying? And I said, brain, I know better than that, and I'll never allow that stuff in my mind again. And I ask you to forgive me. And I preached. uh, It took them a long time for the thing finally caved in. But I got to preach the year with no results financially at all. Because, you know, he's probably stealing money. I never had anybody ever question my integrity. I had people call him off. But Jesse, do you have a woman on the side? I said, no. You know, never had that question. Uh, are you still with never in my ministry until that happened. And the Lord said, don't let that bother you. I said, it's easy for you to say. They ain't saying that about you. <laughs> he said, they're saying it about me because you serve me. That's a direct shot to me. That's not to you. That's right. So I asked the Lord to forgive me over that one. And then the Jimmy Swagger scandals. Good God. And I live in Louisiana. And I drove a Lincoln Town car on the airline highway where all the mess happened. I wanted to move. I said, I'll come to Crowley. <laughs> Just get away from this, you know, because that smell seemed like it would get on you. And the only time I would do that is when I would forget that. I said, go back to remembering. Go back to the memory door. Because that's the entrance into the blessing. Close the door. And that's the blessing. That's keeping the blessing on you. So I did. And I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams. Jerry, do you have anything more to say? Okay. And I had something wonderful happen to me last year. I called Leroy Thompson. I said, Leroy, this is Jesse. What's up, Jesse? Hey, Leroy. I said, why don't you meet us at... Uh, Jay Alexander. I said, I'm going to go to Baton Rouge. We can eat dinner. So he said, okay, man. I said, we'll meet you at Jay Alexander. So it's him and Carolyn and me and Kathy. I walk into the door. You know, and, and uh, Leroy said, where do you want to sit? I said, I know you don't want to sit in the back. He ain't going to never sit in the back. He ain't never going to the back of the restaurant. He said, I went to the back of stuff all my life. I ain't want to be the front. I said, that's all right with me, man. That's fine with me, Jay. You, you the man, son. Hey, right, let's go. Because we enjoy each other. I mean, we just have flat fun together. As I walk, now you walk in, you got the lady with the, you turn like this, there's our table, and over here is a whole table with Jimmy and Francis Swaggart. I hadn't seen them in years. And I mean, I got slammed by the Swaggart ministry. He used my name. And I don't mean that to be critical, just being truthful. And I looked, when I looked up, I saw Jimmy. And I hadn't seen him in a long, personally, in a long, long time. And Donnie was there. Donnie. 
I said, hey, Jimmy. Hey, Jesse. How you doing? I said, I'm doing fine, Jimmy. I said, boy, I hadn't seen you look in a long I said, how old are you? This was last year. He said, I'm 86. I said, man, you look good. You think so? I said, yeah. I said, my God. I, that was the last year. I said, I'm 72 and I look older than you do. Well, thank you, Jesse. And then tears swelled in his eyes. And he stood up. Now, me and Leroy, we going, oh, Lord. Because we have been attacked. Me and Leroy. He walked up to me and he grabbed me. Big man. Jimmy Swagger, tall man, big man. I've always loved you. <laughs> and I didn't know what to say, but I heard the song, You Gotta Know When to Hold Them. Know when to hold them. I said, well, Thank you, Jimmy. What a bl-. He said, No, I'm serious. Well, we go back a long time. I said, yeah. You know, when you was assembly of God all back then, I'm so proud of you. I didn't know what to say. I said, well, thank you. I said, Jimmy, do you know Leroy? I certainly do. How you doing, Leroy? Leroy, how you doing now, brother Jimmy? And we, we just waiting to get slammed, you know what I'm saying? And, but he was so kind. And I looked at Donnie and Donnie. I said, how you doing, Donnie? You doing all right? I said, you know, I heard your son. I said, Jimmy, your grandson, that boy can preach the gospel. I think his name is Gabriel. That boy can preach the gospel. I said, I enjoyed You did. I said, I'm telling you, man, it's just such a blessing. And had a wonderful, sweet conversation. We, so we sat down. And, I, and right before the end, I thought, I'm going to buy their meal, but they already had paid for it. And then Jimmy got back up, came back over to me, hugged me, tears in his eyes. I've always loved you. May not have sounded like it. That was a blessing for me. Not an apology. That water under the bridge. It was a blessing to me. I said, thank you, Jimmy. You honor me. And here comes Francis. And the last time I had talked to Francis, it was not a nice conversation. She ate my lunch. This is years and years ago. This was doing that scandal, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Well, how's Jesse? You sure look good, Jesse. Thank you for standing and believing God. You've been here. I said, thank you, Francis. What a blessing. She pat me in. I said, Francis, do you know Lyra? I certainly do. It was so sweet. When they all got up, even Donnie came up to me and said, nice seeing you. Just, I said, nice seeing you, Donnie. We sat down. And me and Lyra looked at it and we went, miracles have just taken place. <laughs> that wasn't a shot to them. It was for us. You know what happened? It washed the memories, the bad stuff. I said, man, that's a blessing. Now, why would I want to buy those people a meal? Because to keep the blessing state blessed, it starts and keeps the seed. And the seed fertilizes everything. I'll say this. Then we're going to receive an offering for our ministry. You want a big ministry? Elijah, Elisha. Hard to be an Elijah. Only one like that. Only one Moses. Only one Elijah. But somebody got to be a servant to him. Joshua to the Moses. Elisha to Elijah. And Elisha wouldn't let Elijah get out of sight. And Elijah was a traveler. He's like me and Jerry. He's running all over the place. But he has a school of prophets 
just like Jerry's got a school of ministry in it. And he tells Mr. Elisha, listen, I'm going over to Bethel. Won't you stay here? He said, no, I'm going where you go. Where you go, I go. And man, when they got to Bethel, they looked at Elisha. Did you hear God's going to take your boss away? Yeah, I know it. Shut up. Go read it. It's in the Bible. Man, so they're there just a few days. And Elijah, you know, he ain't, ain't no grass growing on these feet. He got to go, you know. He said, now, Elisha, stay here. I'm going over to Jericho. <laughs> And like I say, where you go, I go. I don't care where you go. I am. You stay in here. They got to Jericho. The Jericho prophets, huh? the prophets of Bethel, the prophets of Jericho, they said, hey, Elijah, you heard that God's going to take up your boss. Yeah, I know it. Shut up. Did you notice that the prophets of Bethel and the prophets of Jericho were saying the same thing? When are our prophets going to say the same thing? When is that going to happen? Been too much competitive prophesying going on. Especially in the political areas, in the political realms. Don't care if you miss it. Don't apologize. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I'm flying out of here in a few minutes. <laughs> now, you want a big church? You want a big ministry? Here's the revelation. You need to write this down. It's so simple. Because you'll forget it. Elijah looked at Elisha. He said, Elisha, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He did not say, I want a double portion of your anointing. He didn't say that. He got it. He didn't say that, though. He didn't ask that. Because God's always more than enough. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah looked at Elijah and said, if you see me, go up. First, you ask a hard thing. Because it's very hard. To take the spirit of a person and honor it. You see me go up, you can have it. Well, you know the story. Elisha, God had to separate Elisha from Elijah. Because he'd, he'd hang on to his feet. And he'd have been drugged to heaven in the chariot. <laughs> he had to separate him. He was not letting Elijah go nowhere without him. And when he separated him, Elijah dropped this mantle. Elisha picked it up. I'm pretty sure he's a little sad. Because he loved this man. He loved that ministry. And he started walking toward the river Jordan. Now there's 50 prophets on the other side of the Jordan. Watching Elisha. Because who's going to be the boss of the prophet school? Because Elijah had a prophet school. Who's going to handle all this? Elisha comes up there. Takes that mantle. And hits that water. Wham! Divides the Jordan River. You know what the prophets of Christ is? They all watch it. 50 of them. Go read it. It's in the Bible. They said, the spirit of Elijah is on Elisha. They were looking for a sign. Here's the revelation. Your spirit will attract people. Your anointing will keep people. Write that down. Your spirit will attract people. That spiritual, physical, financial, secular, but if you're a business person, your spirit will attract them and then your anointing will keep them. I believe I have some of the longest running partners that have never missed a, a, a month of blessing. My first partner just passed away. He was a cop that pulled me over and gave me a ticket. 
He actually gave me the ticket. I was going preaching Darlene, Louisiana. He said, Darlene, what church are you going to? I said, there's a reverend named Pastor Reverend Nundley. He said, my wife goes to that church. He's writing the ticket out. Oh, so you the preacher my wife didn't want me to go see? I said, I don't know. I said, but I'm going to Darlene Assembly of God. He said, that's where she goes. He said, well, takes the ticket. He then wrote it. And he tears it up. I said, no, I deserve the ticket. I broke the law. I broke the law. He said, that's all right. I, got, I, I, I give you clemency. I said, okay. He came that night. Tommy McWilliams. I'll never forget it. I was a wonderful man. I mean, a bull of a man. So make Carl look small. <laughs> Carl's a big man. Bull, son. He make my man look small. Yeah, he wasn't as big as Jerry, but he was close. <laughs> <laughs> he got born again, touched, and became a partner. That's 1979. He never missed a month. And he just passed away about two months ago. That's a partner. Think about that. Why? My spirit attracted him. My anointing kept him. If you want to be a success, if you want supernatural provision for your vision, and if you want to stay in the blessing zone, kind of walk to the door of memory. Memories. I've the corner of my mind. Yeah. Just a minute, we're going to receive an offering this mission. I told Jerry, I don't want to do that, Jerry. He said, shut up, Jesse, just do it, I tell you. Well, he the boss here, you know what I'm saying? You know? He's already blessed me. And I'm going to tell Carolyn in front of everybody. Carolyn always asked me what I want to eat. I don't tell people. I said, well, whatever. But I wanted some Chick-fil-A. I wanted that fried chicken cob salad. And man, we took a nap yesterday. And I just got up. And I'm sitting in, they got a lot of places to sit in Jerry's house, you know. I'm just sitting there. And I hear some feet coming. And it's, and it's Carolyn. I said, oh, where are you going, Carolyn? She said, I'm going to Chick-fil-A. I almost gave an Abraham word, because thou hast done this. <laughs> and not withheld the cob salad from me. <laughs> She said, I'm going to get some chicken nuggets. I, got a cop. I said, yeah, some chicken noodle soup. And I said, you want some money? No. Boom. She out the door. She went. That, oh, that ain't much. It is to me. That's a memory I will never forget. See, it don't have to be big. It can be. Even the little things. Is the blessing, is the memory door. Ushers, would you pass out those offering envelopes? This is a Jesse the Planners ministry offering envelope. Look at me, look at me. You can do two things at one time. You don't know where the money's going. I'm a man, I never touch your money. Kathy gave me a command and a charge that there was 559 million Spanish speaking people in the world. She said, Jesse, I want to hit it with a vengeance. Now, I'm the head of my ministry, so we need to start off with $250,000. So I gave him $250,000. And that's just the beginning. So everything we're doing now, everything we got is going into Spanish. Books, videos, everything. It's all going there. 
And already we're getting people from Venezuela that is perfect Spanish and it's working out good. If you don't mind, look at me, look at me. I'm going to place that toward those outreaches. You give me a thousand dollars. I'll get a thousand Spanish speaking people. And when you get to heaven in your front yard, they'll be saying, Feliz Navidad. (laughs) You know what's the most taught, spoke language in the world? Chinese. I thought it was English. No, it's Chinese. You know why? 1.4 billion people just in China. Think about that for a minute. You never think of it like that. The most spoke language, Chinese. Well, the Lord said, go to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Look at me. Don't give me anything that belongs to this church or to JSMI or to JSM. Well, uh, God ain't going to hurt my brother Jerry to bless Jesse. That don't work that way. We're on the same team. But whatever God tells you to do, that would be fine. Look at me. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. I've had people say, you don't want to preach, I've ever heard that. If God don't, don't give if you don't want, don't. I want God to bless, don't, don't do that. Because it's a waste of your seed. I'm serious as I can be about that. And I got preachers that I wouldn't say that, I will. Because I want you with a hundredfold return. I know I got a hundredfold soil. I know I do. So I just ask you to do whatever the Lord tells you to do. And if he doesn't tell you to do anything, don't. I mean, that's about as easy as it gets, huh? If you're writing a check out, make it out to JDM. You get a tax deductible receipt for your giving. If you want to go online you, to give like that, you go to JDM.org. That's the website. Hit a donate button. If you want to use PayPal, I don't know what that is, but you can. <laughs> I don't know what PayPal is, but if you want to text to give, on that envelope tells you how to do it. However you want to do it. If you want to send in an old-fashioned check the way I do, the old way, you can do it that way. But I want you to believe for the hundredfold. How many of you would like to leave your city to find banks to put finance in? Are you ready for this? I will never spend that money. Because it's multiplying so fast. So I told my daughter, you my only heir. She says, Dad, do you have this in a computer somewhere? I said, yeah. Your mama know all that stuff. She says, God, Dad. She said, and Meredith, she's 14, going on 17. She looks at, she goes, Grandfather, how much money you got? How much you got? And where is it? I want to see it. I said, you're not old enough yet. I said, but the day will come. If Jesus tarries, and she, when she comes with me, or when Jody comes with me, when Jody was 14, 15, come eat with her, I always told her, don't you be greedy. And I said, use some sense. So she would kick me under the table. She might, her and her little friend, her name was Amy, I think her name was. She said, Dad, Dad, this is Jody, when she's 14, 15. I said, what, what? There'd be a bunch of preachers. We all were sitting there. She said, are you buying? I said, yeah, I'm paying for everything. She leaned over to Amy. Eat what you want. <laughs> now, if somebody else is buying, I said, don't get crazy here. It's not, you know what I mean? You, you, you honor people. And Amy would come and sleep at my house. And I saw Amy walking out with sacks of groceries. My groceries. 
went into the pantry. And I said, where are you going, Amy? She said, Jody said, I need to take this home. And, and Jody said, Daddy, Amy and them don't have a lot. So I thought I'd just give them some groceries. I said, okay. You ever seen a kid take a sack of groceries out of your house? <laughs> and she did it. The mother called and said, thank you. They needed that. We taught Jody to be a giver. I'm not going to touch your money. But I'm going to pray a hundredfold anointing on your father in Jesus' name. It's on me and you know it is. Because you one gave me that power. I asked for the hundredfold. Lord, I want to come preach for Jerry and Carolyn one day. And Justin comes up and says, we're going to receive an offering that to tell you the truth, we got everything. We, don't, we, ain't, we ain't got a problem. We just got everything. Because that's the kind of God you are. You're the God of more than enough. I want it all for these people. Because, Lord, this prosperity message would be heresy if it only came on me or Jerry. It's got to come upon the whole body of Christ. Because you're no respecter person. Lord, I decree and declare it today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Ushers, go ahead and receive. And Jerry, I thank you for letting me do this, you know. I just cover. But, oh, while they're doing this, he's got a beautiful great-granddaughter. Jerry's always ahead of me. He, I had a, finally got a grandchild, and now he got a great-grandchild. So, and I married her. Now, we ain't telling her to get pregnant. Let me just say that. I know me, but I'm going to live long enough to see one of them one just like that. And she couldn't recognize Jerry and me when she was a year old or whatever. She just looked at me like that. Well, yesterday, Jerry Ann had a wonderful idea. She said, stand by mama. So I'm standing by Carolyn, and here comes uh, uh, Liberty. Liberty. That's a good name, huh? Boy, she comes running in, and she sees her Mimi. She goes, and she looked at me and goes, God, grandfather got fat. <laughs> oh, you know, Papa, she just looked. Oh, she recognized. See, now she what, two and a half, something like that? So she, she just, she smiled. Hello, like, that ain't him. And Jerry was hiding behind some uh, piece of furniture. Finally, he come out, she go, Papa, look at she fucked you there. And she ran toward him. You know, because we've all got white hair and all that kind of stuff. Isn't it? But I mean, she caught me right away. But now when she was one, mm-mm, I'd hold her. She just run. But she let me hold her and everything. And, and I mean, she talks so good. Cat and I love this man. Hamimi took her to a little playhouse and they got some play food. And a drawer. And, and all the furniture is the same size as she are. They are. You ought to seen Carl trying to sit down in that place. Jesus, man. Carl said, Jesse, you look tired. So I took a picture. It's only got a six-foot ceiling. I took a picture with my hand on top of the framing of the door. Don't you think I'm going to look tall? <laughs> I'm using that baby, son. I won't use that. And, and, and Carolyn pulled open the, uh, the, uh, the little drawer with, with the food. And she goes, oh, my God. Oh, I'm a God. Oh, my gosh. I thought, wow, man. She was into that. She cooking her little hamburgers and stuff. It was so wonderful. How'd you like to have a playhouse like that? The only playhouse we had was a dog house, and the dog wouldn't let us in it. <laughs> the dog wouldn't let us in it. This is my house. Y'all get out of here. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> See, having fun. And she just blessed us. Just, not just watching. See, I've learned to be a grandfather by watching Jerry Spell. God is my witness. He's the best of, see. I'm not lying. I'm not just saying that. I'm telling you. 
And I and I, I and I told that to Eve Meredith. I said, she said, boy, grandfather, you're so good to me. I said, I learned it from my good friend Jerry Savelle. And I watched it. So now I got to watch him as a grand, as a great grandfather. Yeah, look at it. She's just listening. That girl listens to everything. Look, yeah, she's pointing at me. <laughs> Hallelujah. She's thinking he does look, but not quite, not quite. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for giving to this ministry, Jerry, Carolyn. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your ministry. Being my friend, I needed a friend. You got to ask Kathy. I had a lot of acquaintances. But I didn't have no friends. Didn't couldn't make a friend. Didn't have time. Running all the time. But boy, I tell you, Jody tells me, when I come to the office and I'm all lit up, Justin, she goes, Jerry's coming, huh? I said, what? She said, Jerry and Carolyn Savelle are coming, huh? I said, how do you know that? She said, Dad, you lit up. I said, yeah. I said, we're going to have some fun. Y'all work hard. I ain't coming in. <laughs> and we just go play around and stuff like that. So once again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love the statement that goes stay long. You know what? I got to be in Colorado Springs tonight. I'm preaching at Lawson Produce Trek. Then I'm doing two television shows, two 30-minute television shows. So I'm going to get to bed real late. And then tomorrow morning, I'm at Karis Bible College preaching for Andrew Womack. And I just love Andrew. You know what y'all love, Andrew? He's such a blessing. And every time I get around him, my voice changes. I say, I want to thank y'all for coming <laughs> And every germ that touches my body just dies instantly. <laughs> Jesse Duplantis is the only preacher I know believing for more money than I am. <laughs> and the only reason for it because I got the projects to do it. I will get $6 billion. Well, it's a fact. And it's 14 satellites, 7 low orbit, 7 high orbit. Thing is, it's coming. There's no other choice. Actually, I already had it. I mean, I shouldn't tell you, but I'll tell you. I was at Smith and Lewinsky Steakhouse in New York, Manhattan. The investors were there. Gender, they're there. Six billion bucks on the table. And God told me to get up and leave. And I said, no. <laughs> My leg under the table was shaking. <laughs> Jesus, help me, God. But I made a stipulation. I said, you can't sell it. I gave him the financial reports. I had it down to the sign. I said, you'll make $3 billion your first year. Good, you need to take care of your investors. I don't mind them making money. I said, they can never be sold. So that the gospel can never be taken off the air. Actually, what I'm doing is like an Elon Musk. Just buy the company. That it can never be taken off the air. Yeah, I believe in that First Amendment right. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and things of that nature. Yeah, and the Second Amendment. All the amendments. I believe in the Constitution. The reason why there's amendment because it's not perfect. But your Bible has no amendments to it. Because it's a perfect book. Stand to your feet. Just a minute. Oh, come on, uh, uh, Justin. Justin is coming to be a blessing to you. We love Justin and his wonderful wife. The blessings of the Lord. And I'd love to sit and stay with you, but uh, on the road again. Can't wait to get on the road again. Playing music, playing music with my friends. Go ahead, sing it. Okay. On the road again. Okay, go to the next level. On the road again. It's been an honor, and I mean that sincerely. Thank you for being a part of this church, the part of JSMI, the part of JSM. Because anywhere you go in the world, you go find a footprint of Jerry Savelle and Carolyn Savelle. I'm telling you. 
And he don't mind being home. But you know, all those years, Jerry, we made up our mind to do what God tells us to do. And that's what it's about. Ladies and gentlemen, the very Reverend Dr. Justin. (laughs)